Well, last week we began a series um, where I basically uh, stood before you and, and, and said, God has big plans for your life. Didn't use those words, but that's what I was saying. Um, began looking at this well-known passage in John 15 where, you know, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches, and we have this connection, and, and the whole point is to produce fruit. Talked about God being the farmer if you were here. Um, and how the farmer, you know, plants the vine and nurtures it and prunes it with one purpose in mind, and that is for that plant to be fruitful so that a crop might be taken from the vine. And we define fruitfulness essentially by describing it as this, God accomplishing things through us that he wants accomplished in this world. Anything God does through us that he wants done, that's fruit. And I said to you guys, God has a purpose and a plan. He, he, he has this design and this desire that through you, you might make a difference for him. I hope I called you to something, called you up to an understanding of God's purpose in life for you. His design, his plan, his way, I don't know it. He'll show it to you based on who you are and your gifts and all those different things. Here's the scenario that Jesus is, is teaching his disciples in. He is about to die. The latter part of John is really the latter part of Jesus' life, just a number of days, really. Remember, John 14, he said, Trust in God, trust also in me. In my house there are many rooms, etc. If, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. He's talking about his death. He's into this trajectory toward the cross. And, and what he is doing here is, is, is recognizing that there is a huge task that he is leaving for these disciples to fulfill. It's a big deal. Jesus wants the kingdom of God to come. We talk lots about that at IPC. He wants the rule of Christ to cover this earth so that as we've sung, all knees will bow and everyone will recognize him. But we'll live according to the way of Jesus, not to the way of the world. And I hope that vision captures your heart because it's going to happen. Another way to say it is that God in Christ wants the restoration of the world, the way God created the world to be, so he, again he wants it to be without sin and without death and without sorrow, without injustice, without war and violence and famine and all the brokenness that we experience in this world. Jesus is about this. And he's saying to his people, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to accomplish a lot for me. I want you to have impact in this world. Remember, it's just a handful of uneducated people. But through those uneducated people, the Lord Jesus produced incredible impact, incredible fruit, and the world was changed. Guess who else this applies to? You and me. <laughs> we don't look at this book and say just a historical reality. No, this is the living word of God for us. And through it, the Lord Jesus comes and he says, guys, I want you to make a difference for me. I thought of the recruiting in the Second World War in the United States. It's Uncle Sam. Remember the picture? Uncle Sam wants you. God wants you. And he wants to bless your life and he wants to use your life. He has purpose for your life. He will make you fruitful according to this passage so that you accomplish for him the things that he wants accomplished in this world. Do you believe that? It's a starting point, right? If you don't believe it, then just shut me down for the next 30 or 35 minutes because it's not going to be that relevant to your life. But this is Jesus speaking and this is the word of God and it's his desire. There are some basic realities that Jesus teaches in this text that just have to be in place in order for us to be fruitful. 
And he, he's pretty clear about it. We're going to read it in a second. If we don't have those realities in place, we will not be fruitful. Do you know Christians can be unfruitful for God? Jesus hits the nail on the head several times in the text. He's making a point. But he also says if some of these realities are in place in our lives, we will be fruitful for him. God will significantly impact the lives of others and the functioning of this world through us if we get these things right. I'm going to speak about these things for just a few weeks. I'm going to start with Jesus again in John 14, where he, uh, 15, where he's absolutely clear. We're going to read verse 4 together. We're going to look at the NIV first and then flip over uh, to the message version. But he says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. That's a reality. We have to encounter this. We have to live this. We have to experience that in order to produce fruit. And then he says this, jumps to the negative really pretty quickly. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You get the latter point there? No remaining in Jesus, whatever that means. That's what we're going to talk about today, essentially. If we do not remain in Jesus, we will not bear fruit. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus is pretty clear. It's, it's got to be the reality. Uh, let me read verse 5 to you because he makes it even more clear. I am the vine. This is a reiteration of what he's already said. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, I, you will bear much fruit. And then he says this, apart from me you can do, and I'm not going to say this without you saying it with me because I want you to get the point. Apart from me you can do nothing. How much is nothing? It's nothing. Thank you. It is nothing for God. Apart from this, this dynamic that he's describing, this remaining in him, this, this being with him as opposed to apart from him, we can't accomplish anything for God. Now, that might seem very simple to you, but it's, it has great profundity. It really does. It has incredible significance for us, we who wish to be used by God. Think of the analogy itself. Think of a branch that has broken off a vine. You know, think of a grapevine. You've been probably down to the Niagara region and done the wine tours and seen the beautiful vi vineyards there. Think of a, of a vine branch, and I come along when the vine vineyard owner isn't looking, and I take a big branch and I just snap it off and I walk away. What's going to happen to that branch? Nothing. It's going to die. It's going to die. And how fruitful will the branch be? isn't that hard people like really it's not it's not going to be fruitful at all there will be no grapes grow on the vine nothing zip nada <laughs> zero get get his point get jesus point that there's something about remaining in him that is absolutely critical to the reality of us accomplishing the things in this world that god wants accomplished let me illustrate a couple things we'll start here and we'll move out I preach to you most Sunday mornings. Carl's a preacher. He's going to do it a little bit now and then, and Joyce preaches on occasion and so forth, right? And I can work hard as I do to, to, to craft a sermon, and I can stand up here and be eloquent occasionally. And you might like what I have to say or not, you know, but you might like it. You might even be impressed with what I say. Wow, good sermon, Chris. Good job. But if, if I am not remaining in Jesus, if I as the, vine, uh, as the branch am not connected to the vine, nothing in terms of spiritual power will happen in this place. 
God will not work in the way God wishes to work. The truth of God will not come through me to you. It will not penetrate to your hearts and change you. It will not impact your life in the way the Word of God is supposed to impact life. Making you holy, comforting you, challenging you, giving you insight into who God is so that you might really honor and worship Him with your life. It's not going to happen unless, what? Chris Little is connected to divine. Great effort expended. No spiritual impact for God. I think it is worship team. I think has so beautifully led us into God's presence today. You know, we ask them not to entertain us. I hope you understand that. In increasing fashion, I hope you understand it. They're not here to play like a band for us. They are literally here to lead us to a place, to, to get us to the, to the reality of knowing that we literally stand or in the presence of God, understanding who He is, understanding what He has done for us, so that we end up doing what? So that we end up worshiping God. Not just singing a song. You know, there was one song that just deeply moved me this morning, that Cornerstone song. I stood there and I closed my eyes and I sang to my Lord as we all did together and it brought tears to my eyes. All of a sudden, I am caught up in God. I'm not just singing a song. Worship is the intention. Listen, if these people, sorry to put a lot of weight on the worship team here this morning, but it's the reality. If, if, if these people are not remaining in Christ, they can you know, play their guitars well and their drums and they can sing beautifully and they can practice and they can give us this presentation that we all might enjoy. But if they're not connected to the vine, they will accomplish nothing for God. Your eyes will not be open to see the beauty and the majesty and the wonder of who God is and what he has done for us in Jesus. And your heart will not be moved in a way that is spiritually powerful so that you end up figuratively bowing in the presence of God, thanking him for what he has done for you. It'll be entertainment, and it might even be enjoyable, but it will not be the worship of God's people. I think of children's ministry and I think of youth ministry and I think of small group leadership and I think of our prayer team. I could go on and on and on. We can spend inordinate amounts of time and energy doing things for God but have absolutely no spiritual power because somehow we have gotten disconnected from the vine. I think of parents in this room today who are passionately eager to influence their children for Jesus who long for nothing more than for those children to grow up, to discover for themselves what it means to know and love Christ and to live their lives for Him, who desire to the depth of their being that their children would not get caught up in the things of the world and dis discover the destruction and the heartache and the pain that so often kids get caught up in. Let me tell you this, parents. Unless you are remaining in Jesus, all your efforts are for naught. Because apart from him, you can do nothing in the lives of your children. His word, nothing. But I tell you, if you find what it means to remain in him, God will use you and you will be fruitful. You will accomplish, God will accomplish in their lives what he wants to accomplish through you. You know, I think the same thing about people wanting to make a difference at work. The next series after this one is about how work can be, can be ministry. I hope it really impacts people. <laughs> um, 
you want to make an impact at work? Find out what it means to remain in Jesus. So what does this mean? What is this remaining in? What is this being connected to the vine all about? As opposed to being apart from him or somehow separated from him like a, a branch broken from the vine. As Jesus said, which is only good to be thrown away and burned up in terms of fruitfulness. I want to flip over to the message version. It's a, really a paraphrase of the Bible, uh, a looser translation, if you would, of, of what's in the original. But I've discovered that in it, the way it was written, it really captures the meaning of this text. certainly has for me in a new way, but it literally does bring to us what the original text was about. Let me read it to you. Jesus says, instead of remain in me as I remain in you, he says this, live in me. Let's stop right there. <laughs> live in me. Live, live, live. It's, I always think of him be surrounding me in my life and me living in this relationship. Live in him. And then it says this, make your home in me just as I do in you. Powerful sentence. <clears throat> you know, the older translation said abide in me. <laughs> it's the same idea. It's where do we abide? We abide in our abode. This is capturing it. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. I think a lot of us understand the idea of how Jesus has made his home in us. We come to that place where the Spirit of God has, has brought us to Christ and we confess our sin and we enter into this life of faith. The Lord Jesus, by his Spirit, makes his home in us, right? We all, I hope, get that. He literally dwells in us, the Bible says. <coughs> and he knows us in this intimate and, and, and remarkable fashion. But listen what he says. Just as I do that in you, we are to do in him. We are to make our home in Jesus. It's a, it's a beautiful way to communicate the, this powerful truth. Now, what is a home? Think about this with me, will you? What does, what does a home mean? Isn't it a place of belonging? Where we are absolutely uh, at, at ease, where we experience safety and without fear? Isn't it a place where we encounter love <coughs> in a powerful way? Isn't it a place where we are accepted and we are absolutely ourselves, no matter what we do, which sometimes is a bit extreme because we are home, right? We really are ourselves. Isn't it at a place where we rest and we're restored so we can go back out and face the challenges of life? Jesus says, make your home in me. It's a place of incredible importance, this home that we have, to which we go back again and again and again. Where are you going to go after this morning's service? You're probably going to go home. And after a work day, what do you do? You go home. Then you go buy groceries, and then what do you do? You go back home, because this is your place of belonging and of love and of safety and acceptance and of restoration. Jesus comes along and he says, make me your home. Live in me. And he says this in verse 5, again with the message translation. I love this. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Back to that analogy. When you're joined with me, not separated, not disconnected, not the branch broken off from the vine, when you are joined with me and I with you, the relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Now think about that little phrase, the relation or the relationship intimate and organic. Do, do you get the power of that? Jesus is saying, if you live in intimate and close and deeply personal relationship with me, you will be fruitful. You see it? Harvest is sure to be abundant. It's, it's a guarantee that he gives to us. Make your life, uh, you know, caught up in my life. 
<coughs> excuse me. See, this is a deep spiritual connection that Jesus is talking about. Deep spiritual connection between your spirit and his, between you and him. And I'm here today to ask you, are you living in deep spiritual connection with Jesus? What do you think about that? <laughs> Just the fact that it's possible is an astounding thing. And then the question is, what will we do with it? You see, Jesus dwells in us. He knows us. He knows our thoughts and our, our hurts and our fears and our joys and our struggles. You get that. He is intimately aware of us in this relationship. My friends, so we are to be intimately connected to Jesus. We are to know his thoughts and his heart and his desire and his will. We are to know him personally in a profound, profoundly spiritual way. <coughs> Excuse me. And the text is basically saying, Jesus is coming along in unequivocal terms, and he's saying to his disciples, you can have this, or you cannot have it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can live apart from me, and you will have no spiritual impact, no spiritual power. God will not accomplish significant things through you. <coughs> Excuse me. Glass of water from a, a host, please. That would be helpful to me. Um... Or you can live in this intimate relationship and you will be powerful for the kingdom of God. God will accomplish through you and through me the things he wishes to accomplish in fruitfulness. See, this is the reality. It's possible to know Jesus as an object of faith, to literally believe in him. It's possible uh, to... to, to, to be part of the family of God but not have a relationship intimate and organic it's just there see what Jesus is speaking to here is the nature of our relationship with God what is it for you what does it mean what, what does it look like Think of marriage as an analogy. Um, the Bible often uses marriage as, as an illustration. Here we go. Thank you, Annette. You're thinking, if I stay away, maybe he won't be able to finish the sermon. But you came. Thank you. <clears throat> marriage is often used <clears throat> as an illustration to communicate the reality of Christ's relationship with his church. Uh, and, and I think it really does so here any husband and wife can relate to times of intimate connectedness, right? Times when, when, when you're close, times when you really love one another, times, times when you are connected. <laughs> but then any husband and wife can relate to times when you're not as a couple, when there's distance in relationship. Sometimes because of conflict, but I would suggest probably most often these times come just because of a lack of time together and sharing of life you know we were had a little staff gathering the other other week now i suppose to welcome carl and we just sat together and some of the younger staff talked to some of the old folks about the reality of children and so forth and we talked about the potential that exists when kids are really young all your energy and all your attention goes to them and couples just feel like they're separate because they have no time for each other it feels like disconnection. See here what Jesus is saying. 
It's an invitation to us into this intimate, personal, and deeply spiritual experience of Him. To experience Him every day. To know His presence. To know Him. To draw close to Him in love. There's a key word used in in three verses. Verses 5, 6, and 7. And we're going to go through them quickly. And I want to tell you the key word when when I get to it. Verse 5, please. NIV. I am the vine, you are the branches, and there it is. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Verse 7. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. And we'll get to that in a minute. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Three times Jesus says, if you do this, you'll know fruitfulness. You'll know the spiritual power of God moving in and through you to accomplish the things that God wishes to accomplish in this world. What he makes absolutely clear, of course, is is essentially this is our choice. Here's my experience. There are so many followers of Jesus who don't remain in him. They believe in him. They're part of the family of God, as I have said, but they do not nurture an intimate relationship with Christ. Um, I want to talk just for a few minutes as we wind down here. How do you get there? What does it look like? What do you do? Well, I think as with marriage, it literally starts with just spending time together. Which, by the way, you're doing now. Good job. I hope you envision this time as that. Not going to church. No, this is your time with Christ, your Lord. To hear him speak, to, to worship him, to pray, and so forth. But time, I want to suggest time that you also can have alone. You know, time, time just to make your home in him as he has made his home in you. It's like you have to keep going home, keep going back to that place of belonging and safety and love and, and restoration and acceptance because of grace. We have to experience him all the time, day by day. And, by, and, and in doing so, give priority to this relationship rather than neglect. So part of what I wanted to say to you today, just with, with gentleness and with grace, but also with some hopefully godly challenges, how often do you go home to Christ? How often do you dwell in his presence? You know? walking into those times of being with Jesus and experiencing this relationship. And my friends, I want to tell you, it's only by being with this God of ours and sharing ourselves with them will this intimate relationship be nurtured and grow. So the choice is time with and attention upon and, 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 and a relationship that is exercised or separation. It's our call. To then, Jesus says this in verse 7, and I told, I told you I'd come back to it. There it is. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Double condition all of a sudden. He throws something in here that wasn't there before. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But his words have to remain in us. We have to nurture the relationship, but we have to hear from the Lord himself. We have got to take the word of God, this incredibly powerful book called the Bible, 
and uh, recognizing it, it is through this book that the Lord Jesus communicates with his people and he makes his presence real to us. It's an amazing thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a miraculous thing when God aligns our reading of Scripture with the reality of our lives and in that moment communicates to us exactly what he wants us to know. Because in that place and in that time, all of a sudden, Jesus is incredibly real. God is present. God has spoken to me. We experience him and we draw close to him through the dynamic spiritual reality of this book. I heard uh, Robert Morris speak on TV this week, actually. Uh, Robert Morris is a pastor of a huge church in Texas. Some of our snowbirds go there. I think it's in Dallas um, when they're away for the winter. And I hear about his ministry, but he was being interviewed on television. And he said there was a day that he went to God in prayer, went into the presence of Jesus. He went home to that place of belonging and safety and so forth. And rather than praying what he might normally pray, he just sensed the Lord's Spirit saying in a profound way, I want you to pray for your friend a pastor, someone he didn't connect with very often, but God brought this person to mind and he, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. He had one of those experiences where he just, and I hope you can relate to this, he just couldn't pray for anything else as he was led by the Spirit of the Lord Jesus. He was just called before God to pray. So he prayed at length for this man. It was, he said three weeks later, he said, I'm going to give that guy a call. That was a really interesting experience of intimacy with Jesus. And he called him up and he said, this is what happened. And the man said to him, well, what day exactly were you so profoundly led by the Lord Jesus to pray for me? And he gave him the date. And his friend, the pastor, said, that was the day my father passed away. And Christ in heaven knew that one of his kids needed another one of his kids to pray the comfort and the strength and the grace of God into that man's life. You see the intimacy with Jesus that existed in the life of Robert Morris that day? He heard from the Lord. He experienced the leading of Jesus. And he responded by faith and in obedience. Jesus was real to him. A few weeks ago, months I guess now, we celebrated my 25th anniversary here as a pastor. And, you know, I cried my way through some incoherent wording. I don't remember <laughs> really what I said, but it was very moving for me. But Bill Chesney said... Uh, to you that there have been a few times when other churches have been interested in me going to them um, as their pastor. And um, one of those times happened when about year nine of my ministry uh, here in Interkip, I was, uh, um, you know, working away, doing my thing. And um, it was a good time, kind of from a pastor's perspective, if you're going to move, my kids still weren't really engaged in school. And my wife was just, Heather was finishing her graduate work at the university, and it just would have been, it would have made sense, you know. And this uh, invitation came from a church in Vancouver, which, you know, was interested in me potentially becoming the minister. I thought, well, that's kind of cool, Vancouver, ooh. And the church had a reputation, you know, and being an adventure, and it was attractive. Um, and I went to, to the Lord Jesus in prayer, and I, and I prayed, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Well, some time went on, and I just wasn't sure. I got a handwritten letter, six pages long, from a person in the church who was the dean of the seminary that I went to 
named Ian Rainey, a man who has had a great impact in my life and I highly respect. He said, will you, will you come? Will you consider it? Will you sit down and talk with us? And I just kept praying. I said, Lord, what do you want? And the day came, I was reading that incredible little devotional, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And I was reading it and I came to the end of a paragraph and it said these words. I didn't have to look them up because they're emblazoned in my mind. And, 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 and the author had written, you cannot choose the location of your service. You don't get to choose where you go. I don't care how attractive Vancouver, British Columbia is. You're staying here. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was like an encounter of Christ in my life through some spiritual writing that a godly man had done so long ago. And I knew an intimate, personal connection with Jesus. And I stayed, and I want to tell you, after that, my friends, everything started to go up and to the right. You know, attendance started to grow, and our finances grew, and our ministry impact started to grow. It's like God was confirming what God had said to me. You see, you can discover Christ alive in your life in profound and deeply moving spiritual ways if you choose to live in him and make your home in him, and you, if you'll just keep going back to him day after day after day. He will speak to you. Romans 8, 16 <clears throat> says, says that he, um, his spirit testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. We are God's children. Verse before this says that we cry out to him, Abba, Father. I want to tell you, my friends, have you, I want to ask you, have you had those moments when you sat in the presence of Christ and he speaks into your life and he said, you are the beloved child of God. You are loved intimately and powerfully by the living God. You are his and you will be his forever. You have meaning and significance and purpose in life simply because you're a child of God. Have you had that encounter of the presence and the voice and the love of God? I want to tell you, after such an encounter, you will never be the same again and you will never question any of those things ever again because the Spirit of God has spoken. Jesus has spoken via his Spirit into your life. And you know at a deep level that you have connected with Jesus and he, ha he will have changed you. You know, in essence, this, this sermon is about fruitfulness, but it's not about fruitfulness. It's about the nature of our relationship with Jesus. It's about whether we're willing just to go back to him, go back home day after day after day, Sunday after Sunday, and connect with the Lord Jesus in such a fashion that you have this relationship, intimate and organic spiritually profound. My friends, I want to tell you, if you will live in that place with him, <clears throat> you will, according to the authority of the word of God, be fruitful for him. God the Father will produce fruit in your life exactly as he intends in the way that he chooses. And his world will be made new through you and me. So I call you to this today. I invite you into it because th this is what this text is, it's an invitation by Jesus. Remain in me as I remain in you. Give priority to your relationship with me. Know me and let me know you. Love me and let me love you. Come back again and again and again. And I will fill you with my spirit. And I will use your life to make impact so that this world will be changed. I guess the last question I have for you very simply is who here wants that? 
because the word if is there three times. And if you don't want it, it won't happen. But if you do, if you do, pursue it until you find it. Build this in to the core of your life. Make it your priority. And God will use you. God will use us in incredible ways for his glory. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, it's an amazing thing when we step, step back and we look at these words of Jesus and we recognize that not only do you, Lord Jesus, live in us by your spirit, but you want us to live in you. You want us to make your, our home in you. You want us to come back again and again and again to that place of belonging and love. And to put this at the center of our lives. Lord, Lord Jesus, we know that you desire impact through us in the same way that you desired impact through those disciples so long ago. And that indeed this can happen if we'll just know you in a way that is intimate and organic. So, Lord, I pray for all of us here today, including myself. I pray that you will give us the wisdom and the focus and the determination just to set apart time for worship, to set apart time daily, time in life groups to just draw near to you. Your word says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Lord, we hear the invitation this morning. And we pray that we might be a people who live in such intimacy with Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we might be a people who, as a result, are incredibly fruitful for you so that the harvest can be abundant. God, lead us into this dynamic. If it's foreign to us, if it's new, show us how. If we're just being reminded again of how critically important this is, draw us back so that we might be the people you call us to be and so that we might live a life that we might know connected to Jesus, used powerfully in your kingdom as a result. Lord, lead us in this. Reveal yourself to us in this. And then use us, we pray. And all this we ask in Jesus' name.